0: Hi, I'm Dorothy Burton, your host for Governing God's Way. Connecting the timeless principles of Scripture to the timely issues of our day. For those who serve, lead, and govern. King Solomon, the wisest public servant leader to have ever lived, left us with this truth. There is nothing new under the sun, and what has been, will be. What was true for him and those who served, led, and governed in his day? is just as true for those who serve, lead, and govern today. Timeless principles to help in times like these. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. You are part of an experiment. We are kicking off our inaugural Conversations on Leadership series uh, for the fall. This is the first one that we've done, Christians in Public Service, and we are delighted to have the Honorable Helen Giddings to be our first guest. And I'm gonna read a um, disclaimer that I have to read. The views, thoughts, and opinions of our guests are not and do not necessarily reflect The opinions or positions of Christians in Public Service, Board of Directors, and or any other individual or entities affiliated or unaffiliated with Christians in Public Service, Inc. That will make our lawyers happy. Uh, Ah. (laughs) Not that that Representative Gideon will say anything, but I am going to introduce her. I, I know many of you already know her, but I want to read her bio. Helen Giddings is president of Multiplex, Inc., a specialty concessions company which she founded in 1989. Previously, she served as vice president of leadership development at the Greater Dallas Chamber of Commerce and chief executive for human resources for 11 states with Sears. Honorable Giddings served in the Texas House of Representatives for 26 years. Years. Oh, my God. During her, during her last term, she served as vice chair of the State Affairs Committee and member of the House Appropriations and the Calendars Committee. For three terms, she chaired the Business and Industry Committee. The Speaker of the House appointed her to the Texas Legislative Council Governing Board, the Supreme Court of Texas Permanent Judicial Commission for, for Children, Youth and Families, and the Joint Interim Committee on Alzheimer's Disease. She is the past chair of the Texas Legislative Black Caucus and currently serves as Honorary Counsel for South Africa. With a profound interest in the arts, Ms. Giddings has served on many boards including the African American Museum, Dallas Symphony Board, Dallas Summer Musicals, Dallas Historical Society, and the Dallas Theater Center. Her contributions led to the African American Museum, naming a room in her honor, and the City of Lancaster, naming its amphitheater for her. Strongly committed to public service, she has served as the board chair of the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce, vice chair of the Dallas Transit Board, member of the Dallas Planning Commission, State Board Grievance Committee, and the Dallas County Grand Jury. Ms. Giddings serves as Chair of Black Women, Empowering Black Women, which is the committee of the Western Area of the Lynx Incorporated. Additionally, she chairs the Women's Leadership Summit and serves on the Methodist Health System Board. Honorable Giddings has been featured in Black Enterprise and has been recognized by Ebony Magazine as one of the 100 plus, not 100, 100 plus most influential black Americans. Welcome, Honorable Helen Giddings. Thank you for joining us. I had to read all of that because I want people to know when you talk about leadership, you know a little bit about what you're talking about. And that is the reason why when I when the Lord laid this on my heart to do this leadership series to get away so much from the politics of the politics and refocus on leadership and public servant leadership. You were the first person that popped into mind. And I said to God, I said, Lord, if this is really from you. If Helen says yes, then it's a yes from you. And you said yes, and I shouted, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. And I did the same thing with Ron Kirk. I said, Lord, I'm like, who was it that threw out the, the, the fleece? And he said, well, if it's wet, tonight I go to bed. If it's dry in the morning, and I know it's from you. And then when Ron Kirk, when Ron Kirk said yes, I said, okay, God, I got my confirmation. I'm going with it. So, Helen, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so
1: very much.
0: Uh, you're the honorable
1: as well, so I'm delighted to have an opportunity to be here with you uh, today and your listeners.
0: Thank you. So we're going to start with um, just start just start from the beginning. Not not from the beginning, like from the cradle, but talk briefly about your career and your career path and and why you chose public service.
1: My career path has been multi. Faceted. Uh, God has been good. And I had an opportunity to serve as a regional executive with Sears, Roebuck and Company back when Sears was the largest retailer in the world. And uh, when we had 14,000 employees here in Dallas. Uh, Then I decided to become an entrepreneur. So in 1989, I went out and visited uh, with uh, the airport director at Dallas Love Field, And I said, hey, you guys don't have any gourmet coffee here. Uh, And gourmet coffee, I think, is something uh, that's on the horizon that's going to come. More stores on the streets, uh, it certainly ought to come to airports. And so the director said, well, why don't you go out and see what you can put together? Mm -hmm. And so I went out and put together a concept, brought it back, Uh, they approved it. And so my company, Multiplex Inc, had the first gourmet coffee in an airport in the Southwest. That was before Starbucks. Uh, came to town. So uh, my second career as an entrepreneur, and uh, then I ran uh, for state representative in district 109 and served there for 26 years, leaving in uh, 2019. And finally, I really consider myself uh, a professional Uh, volunteer. So professional volunteer and child. Well, first of all, child of God, but then professional volunteer is the umbrella over all of those things because I think that all of us have an obligation to try and put something back into this community. And I know many times the problems look so big and we look so small uh, that we don't think that we can really make a difference but whether your contribution is one that is small or one that is large i I truly believe that we have an obligation to do the something that we can do
0: i want to go back to something that you said you said that you had an idea a concept that you that you took the initiative to take to the airport and say hey you guys don't have this for some for someone who has an idea but they are afraid to uh, act on that idea, what advice would you, would you, would you give them? I mean, where do, where do they start? I mean, you, you, are, you are very vivacious, you're very outgoing, um, you're very attractive, you're very, all of this stuff. But what if you're like just plain Joe Blow like me? It's like, OK, I got an idea. What do I do with it? And how do I, how do I especially being a woman, especially mm-hmm. being a minority woman, what do you do when you, how do you get over the fear?
1: Well, this may surprise you, uh, Dorothy, and it may surprise some other people, but I'm basically a shy person. Uh, I just work through it. Um, the, the toughest thing to do is to actually pick up the phone and uh, make that contact and ask that question. And like everybody else, I'm shaking in my boots. I rehearse what I'm going to say, uh, you know, with myself. And and then uh, if they say this, I'm gonna say that. But uh, let me just say um, that I think one of the best lessons that I learned from my mother uh, is that it's okay to take risks. If you're willing to prepare yourself and put your best foot forward, then whatever comes out of that, it's okay. And if you fail, you just pick yourself up and you start all over again, only the next time more intelligently. I had no idea what Danny Bruce, who was the airport director at that time, was going to say to me. Uh, I think I was uh, somewhat surprised when right off the bat, uh, he said, uh, yes, why don't you go and see if you can put uh, something together? And I will tell you, I was absolutely shaking in my boots. I knew a great deal about, uh, about retail. Uh, I had great management skills, but what I knew about operating in the airport you could put in a thimble, uh, but I believed uh, that I could work hard. I believed that I could master whatever it was that I needed to know. And uh, so I just picked up that phone and called Danny Bruce and he said, come visit with me. And after I left, I mean, I literally was shaking in my boots when he said, why don't you go out, see what you can put together.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. And that's good advice. Go out, And just see what you can put together. But have the courage to take the first step. And if you fail, try again. Don't be afraid to fail, right?
1: Don't be afraid to fail. And I think so many times that holds us back, particularly as women and somewhat as people of color. If we fail, uh, what are we going to uh, say to our friends? What are we going to say to our family in terms of? them seeing us as as a failure but I think that uh, my my mother was absolutely right uh, when she told me look I'm behind you whatever it is you want to try whether it's uh, running a, a, a track uh, running in a track meet or a math contest or whatever all I want you to do is to be able to go in your bathroom by yourself and look in that mirror and tell yourself I did my very best. I prepared as best I could. I worked hard. I did my best. It's important that you not lie to yourself, that you tell yourself the truth. If you've done your best, my mom said, hey, just pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and uh, start again. Because ultimately, Dorothy, the bottom line is, the only way that we will grow is to take risks and try and master something beyond what we already know.
0: Yes. Amen. Amen. Okay. In your opinion, what is the most important issue facing leaders today? Uh, Not from a political standpoint, not from any of the the stuff that we're seeing, but from a personal one. Would it be burnout? Would it be the struggle to stay relevant? Would it be... um, the courage to do the right thing, even though the majority of the people may not be doing the right thing. In your opinion, what what is the most important issues, and the flip side of that, the challenges facing public servant leaders today?
1: Well, I think one of the greatest uh, challenges is today there are so uh, many voices coming from so many directions. Um, and it is listening to all of those voices and somehow trying to understand that the product that comes out of all that listening and all of those voices, which sometimes seem to be messy, can still be an excellent product. Listening to everybody and letting everybody have their say and realize that everybody matters uh, is uh, something that takes a great deal of patience uh, and it takes a great deal of courage. And and having said that, while you're doing all of that listening, I think you need to stay in touch, or I try to stay in touch with my own value system. And I try to understand my value system. And I think a lot of times, we don't spend enough time thinking about our own value system. What matters to us? What should matter to us? I, I believe that you know we have a lot of possessions and that kind of thing. And with that comes uh, obligations and and responsibilities. Um, I believe that we need to uh, really understand. Uh, that it, it, sometimes it's a little bit delayed, but but right will overcome wrong. And it seems so simple, I know, but I really believe it deep down in my heart that love does overcome hate. So I think you've got to listen to everybody out there. Uh, and then I think you, you have to make sure that your value system uh, stays uh, in place.
0: And let's talk about that value system a little, a, a little bit. I think it was Barbara Jordan that said that if, if you're going into politics or even just life, you have to have a core, a core inside of you, the, an uncompromisable core, that there is a line that you won't cross no matter what, no matter what the price is, no matter, no matter what the, the shiny object may be you have to have that core. And that's what I hear you saying, that you have to have that value system. Because if you don't have that value system, you're gonna have somebody's value system. And you have that's to-
1: That's exactly it. right. I, I think, you know, uh, I, I uh, used to tell my children all the time when I was in the legislature, is if you're not grounded and uh, as a legislator and a member of, of the House or the Senate or whatever, uh, if you're not grounded, it, it's so easy to sort of drift and float away uh, if you don't know what your values are and if you're not committed to uh, those values. And a lot of times I think uh, we as leaders and just we as, commi- uh, just we as ordinary people fail to really get in touch. Uh, with uh, with our values. And uh, that is so important, to know not only what you believe, but why you believe that.
0: Mm-hmm. I had to go through, well, I, I didn't know I was going to go through this, but God sent me through this whole, uh, whole year, last year, 2020, of being shut in and shut down. No events, mm-hmm. no speaking across the country. None, none, none of that. It's like, I just want you to be still and look at you. And my whole life had been on a trajectory one way but then when i was forced to sit there, and that's the hardest thing i think to do is to take that inward look like you're saying you have to know you and if you don't know you or you think you know you you're going to be you're going to go here and you're going to go there and it's a, it's a hard thing to do to take that look inside to see you know what what it's me, like it's, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, sometimes it is. And we have to know, I so agree with you, who that me is. And a lot of times I have seen, and I know you have, where leaders don't know who that me is. So they latch right. on to this person or that idea or this idea, and, and that becomes them until they discover that it's really not.
1: Right. I, th- I think a part of that is that sometimes we are reluctant Uh, to tell ourselves uh, that, uh, hey, uh, I didn't do well. I I messed up on that. I I need to take a step back and look at this and maybe start again. I mean, maybe we're not able to admit to our friends or whomever uh, that we made a mistake, that we made a misstep or whatever else. But I think it's important uh, that we never lie to ourselves because some of us tell ourselves so many lies until we start to believe those lies ourselves. And so we have to be honest, I think, with ourselves. You can't be honest with anybody else because, again, some of us have been so dishonest with ourselves that uh, we don't know um, the difference between um uh the truth and and the the fiction but it is important uh to do that kind of self-reflection and all of us had i think a very difficult year in 2020 i know i did and and i had a lot of time to do exactly what you said you did a lot of time for uh self reflection and I was very honest with my friends, many of my friends said, "Oh wow, you know i'm I'm not having difficulty with this. I'm just doing my reading, I'm trying out new recipes and this, that, and the other thing." And I said, "Hey, you know, I'm sending out a white flag and saying, Help yes. <laughs> here uh because i I'm having a uh, great difficulty, and um uh, you know uh." I'm a Christian, uh, I try to live a Christian life, but uh, I've, I've, I've heard uh, one of the pastors in Dallas say, and I, and I totally agree with it, I don't care how big your Bible is, every now and then you're gonna struggle, <laughs> uh, even though you know that all things work together for the good uh, of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Uh, it, it was 2020 was 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 a struggle for me
0: well you came out on top looks like
1: I I, I came out on top God is is uh, good and uh, but for God I mean uh, my coming out on top was uh, was it was definitely uh, all attributable uh, to God and his grace
0: and mercy thank you for being so vulnerable because a lot of people look at people like you and say, oh, wow, Helen Giddings, I, you know, she, she has it going on. She's this, she's that. And a lot of us are afraid to admit that, hey, I need help. I, I'm not doing too good. Um, <laughs> and I, I had to do that. And I think that's an important part of leadership is to admit. When you said raise the... Sometimes we have to raise the white flag. I love that. Sometimes we have to raise the white flag. Say, hey, I need help. I'm drowning. Right. That's amazing. I, and and, and thank, thank goodness
1: God has put so many wonderful people in my life. Uh, I I just have a bouquet of friends that I can I can call upon. And, and uh, with that small uh, group of people, I... I find that it is necessary for me to be honest and say, wow, I'm struggling over here because I'm accustomed to having uh, four or five meetings on an average every day, not every week. And uh, uh, I guess the biggest struggle for me, Dorothy, was I have five uh, grandkids and I have three children of my own. And for a whole year, for a whole year, I did not have an opportunity to hug them or kiss them. And as a matter of fact, in that year, I didn't hug any uh, human being. Uh And for me, uh, that that was the real struggle for me uh, not being able to touch people uh, that I love and to have those people touch me.
0: One more thing before we move on, the vulnerability. You said that you, had a, you have a small group of friends, and so do I. Leaders, yeah. need, leaders need somebody, right, that they can be yeah. vulnerable to and that they can be, that they can be accountable to.
1: Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I love about my friends is the people that I try to surround myself with is none of them are yes people. They're not going to tell me something just because it makes me feel good. Uh, they're going to tell me what they think that I need to know. That's going to keep me whole and healthy. No. They're not gonna tell me in front of the world. Uh, They're not going to try to embarrass me, make me look bad or whatever in front of others, but they are going to take me into the back room and tell me uh, what I need to know. And uh, I don't know what people do who don't have that kind of a support system or I don't know um, what uh, people are thinking when they want to surround themselves with, with people who will only say um, what they want to hear or what makes them feel good, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's a very dangerous, dangerous uh, situation. And, and I need to be surrounded with... Uh, you know, by friends and and so forth. And I think maybe it stems from the fact that I come from a very, a very small family. I am an only child. uh, And my mother had four sisters who had no children. She had two sisters who did have children, but those two sisters had children uh, that were my mother's uh, age. And for a long time, Dorothy, the fact that I was an only child uh, really affected me. I never wanted to be an only child, and it took my daughter uh, one day sitting down with me when I was talking about you know uh, the bad part of being an only child. And my daughter said to me, "Well, you know, guess what? I think, Mom, you just kind of need to get over it because number one, <laughs> uh, you're not going to get a brother or sister at this point in your life, and at this point in in my grandmother's life." And she said, in addition to that, instead of you talking about, woe is me as an only child, you ought to be looking up and thanking God. Because look at the breadth and the depth of the friends that he has surrounded you with. So whatever you didn't get, God has more than made that up uh, for you.
0: Hey, that that means that you were a very good mother for her to give you that (laughs) advice. And I want my daughter to hear this, because she's an only child. So Jessica, if you're listening, (laughs) pay attention. (laughs) what, Helen, what do you want, um, looking back on your 26 years, your long and successful career, what do you want most for people to remember um, about you and the time you spent in the legislature?
1: Well, I want people to think of me as an ordinary person who saw issues that needed to be addressed, rights that needed to be, uh, wrongs that needed to be made uh, right, and uh, that I felt that I had a responsibility and an obligation to, to once again do the little something that I could do To be a part of that solution and you'll hear me say that over and over again because i remember dorothy thinking when i started out on this journey of of uh, community leadership that what i had to offer was so small and uh, nobody was really going to be receptive to it i remember walking into the dallas black chamber of commerce so many years ago and i was scared to death because i wanted to work with the dallas black chamber and i saw some of the things that they were doing and i thought they were uh things that places where i could make a contribute a contribution although a small one and uh ron white was the chairman of the board at that time and i still remember walking in there shaking in my boots and meeting Ron White, the chairman of that board, and you know, looking up to him and thinking he was this giant, and uh, saying, "I'd like to volunteer, uh, Mr. White. Is there is there anything uh, that you guys have that that I could do?" And uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't know who, who. I didn't know. I knew Ron White by reputation, but I didn't really know him. But what I didn't know is that Von White knew me uh, by reputation as well because I was a senior regional exe- uh, executive with Sears. And so I was the person who was in charge of corporate giving. And so basically every nonprofit out there knew me. Uh, I just didn't know them. And I remember that Von uh, White immediately, without thinking, said, oh, yes, I have just the job for you. I mean, I just walked in the door. And he said, I've got just the job for you. So the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce at that time had put in place a rodeo, a Black rodeo. And Ron said, you're going to chair the reception for the Black Rodeo. Uh, And uh, I walked out of that place absolutely floating on air and uh, then and and but at the same time i felt this tremendous pressure to succeed because they put all this trust in me to pull this thing off and so when i got back to my office i thought man i got so excited i didn't ask the right questions like where is it going to be? How many people? What is the budget? All these things. And so I call Ron and apologize for having to call him back so quickly and said, well, no, what is the budget? And he said, well, it's however much you can raise. And I said, well, where is it going to be? And he said, well, you know, uh, based on your resources, you determine where it's going to be. Uh And so that was the beginning. The Dallas black chamber of commerce was really where, uh, my where i i started my journey on on community leadership
0: and you said you saw you 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 had a desire to serve and but you said to yourself what what did i have you said what do i have to offer but but you knew you wanted to serve and it was about righting wrongs and a lot of times and you you just said the definition of purpose People always ask me, how do you find your purpose? And how do you know what your purpose is? And how do you know when you find it? And it is it's, it's, it's simple, but it's not simple. First of all, you ask God. But like you said, you saw, the, what you saw was your purpose. The problem that you see is your purpose. Yeah. Nobody else would have seen that, but you saw that. So the problem that you see, God has equipped you to solve it. So in essence, that's what, that's what Ron was telling you. But in you, you said, I don't have anything, what can I do? But you saw it. You just not know it. You saw it. And you ended up being the chair of the board.
1: It, it was a different day um, back then uh, with the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce. Uh, there had never been a, a woman who had uh, been uh, chair of the board. And I just got in and and started working and making contributions wherever I could. And uh, then at at some point somebody suggested that I should be the chair of the board because of the work that I was doing and my commitment. And uh, back then there were actually people who, men who actually came up to me and said, Helen, you're really smart, dedicated. You put in so much time and effort. But this is a job for a black man. This is not a job for a black woman. And so um, the first election, um, I lost by one vote uh, running for chairman uh, of the board. And uh, then uh, for the next election, uh, Ted Law, who was someone who whose vote i did not get uh was chair of the nominating committee and and ted came up to me and said hey you know you really need to be the chairman of the board you've put in the work uh you continue to put in the work when you when you didn't win the election you didn't walk away you went up to ernie haywood and said to ernie uh ernie uh i am here you won the election and i want you to know that I'm going to do everything I can to make your administration successful, and I did. So I said, you know, I got a little bit miffed with Ted, and I said, okay, so so now uh, you think I can do this, huh? Hmm. And uh, he said, yes, you could have done it then. We made a mistake. We're now
0: <laughs> we're now
1: ready uh, to to remedy the mistake that we made, and so uh, that was. Uh, the beginning but that was a very interesting uh, that was a very interesting time for me uh, Dorothy perhaps one of the most interesting times of my life because all the leadership at the Dallas Black Chamber of Commerce was male and uh, my kids can't believe this but uh, uh, the guys would all go to a place in Dallas called the plush pup after the meeting to have their drinks. And it didn't take me very long to find out that that's where the real decisions were made. And although I've never had a drink in my life, when they went to the plush pub, <laughs> I went to
0: the plush pub too. <laughs> so that that pre that preceded the Me Too movement. You just, <laughs> you, you were Me Too back then. Yes. Oh my God. But see, that that speaks to... to the tenacity and you said I never stopped serving even when I lost and that's an important very important characteristic for a leader. You don't quit if you don't win. if you're hardest to serve you serve and you keep yes. serving. okay
1: I, I kept serving right along with uh, with uh, Ernie uh, he was he was a, uh, a very a good person and did some very very good things for for the chamber and back at that time he kind of saw a curve in one direction and i kind of saw a curve in the other and i don't think either one of us was necessarily right or wrong uh we're all human beings and uh we just had different visions for uh the way that uh, that the chamber uh, should be going and uh, no i was not about to walk away from that, I had no idea that uh, very soon I would uh, have my own opportunity to to chair that board, and and uh, even though uh, the building is is not occupied or not there now, uh, I was very pleased in in 1981 1982. To uh, build a building that the chamber occupied there, the building was built under my administration. uh, Next door to the MLK uh, Center.
0: I remember that building. Last thing. That was so that that inspired me so. Just don't don't quit. Just never quit. Never quit. Keep serving. Keep Keep serving. serving. The last question that I want to ask is. your words of wisdom, your, your words of, of wisdom for the next generation of Helen Giddings. What would be, to wrap up your words of wisdom and how important it is, your legacy is set. Your legacy is set. Um, your words for the next generation of, of, of public servant leaders.
1: Well, I, I don't think that I have any earth shattering uh, kinds of things to say about that. But I think one of the things that uh, we might uh, think about is is closing that gap, uh, uh, shortening that distance uh, between who we say we are and what we say we believe and our actions. Um, I think we would just be a far better world if if our actions mirrored who we say we are. Uh, There is often a huge gap there. And also finding ways to bridge the gap between policy and people. Um, We ought to develop policy for people and not try to make people fit into policy as elected officials. And then finally, uh, I would say, this, this has been a driving force in, in, in my life, to always know uh, that we serve an all-wise and an all-loving God, Amen. and that our widest happiness and our greatest fulfillment are going to be realized uh, when we live in harmony with His will.
0: Amen. Amen. Representative Giddings, I cannot, I mean, I'm sitting here in awe. I I had to remind myself, Dorothy, just keep your mouth closed because my mouth, I wanted to just, my mouth was just wanting to fly open. A number of times you were saying things uh, that just inspired and encouraged me. And I just want to thank you again for taking the time to do this. We're going to uh, put a collage of these videos together of leaders. Um, and have them available on YouTube, and have them available. Even your—that's why I'm here in the studio because I wanted it to be done professionally for those who want to, uh, at, at at no cost to them, say, "Hey, I need—I want a copy of that," or just go and find it. Because it's, we have to begin to turn this thing around. And what you said at the end is it is is. Finding a way to bridge that and then living in harmony with this all-wise and all-powerful God. And that is the key. And And I just thank you. I mean, you have I, probably when we, when we shut down, I'm just going to go over and boo on Stephen's shoulder because you have blessed me so much. And I know that you have blessed those who have listened and those who will listen as we, as this is on YouTube. And it plays over and over and over again. You have
1: blessed me as well, Dorothy, because you're an example of what I mean when I say none of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. And so I may not be able to do what you're doing today, but you're filling the gap where you can. And if I fill the gap where I can It's all going to come together and we're going to have a better world. Amen. So thank you for what you're doing.
0: Amen. And with that, we are going to say, God bless you always and keep you always. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please help us help others who serve, lead, and govern by sharing this podcast. Good governance begins with self-governance because God always begins from within. Grab a copy of my book, "Why We Fall, The Power of Self-Awareness, the book every public servant leader should read. Governing God's Way is a ministry of Christians in Public Service, a premier biblically-based public servant leadership training and development organization headquartered in Dallas, Texas. To learn more, please visit our website at ChristiansInPublicService.org.